Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. In this series, host Daniel J. Marino, managing partner of Lumina, talks to top experts and thought leaders in healthcare to help you navigate on the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of the industry. The goal of this series is to bring you disruptive success strategies by leveraging Lumina's experiences, stories, and insights from working with health professionals and organizations across the country. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and any questions that are top of mind. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. I'm Daniel Marino. Welcome to another episode of Value-Based Care Insights. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the role of the practice manager or practice administrator and how these roles, how these positions support clinic operations and really support the patients and their staff, right? The physicians, the nurses, the front office staff in the role of patient care delivery. This is an area that's definitely near and dear to my heart. When I got my start in healthcare, I started out as a practice manager. I was managing two clinics. There were three to four physicians in each of the clinics. And my role was really to support all of the operational activities between the physicians, between the staff, and between the patients. I often thought that the the role of the practice administrator, practice manager, is one that is really overlooked and a lot of times taken for granted because they're not in the limelight. They're supporting a lot of the, the care delivery. And obviously, if there's a problem, the practice manager or practice administrator comes in and, and helps to resolve that issue in the name of good care delivery to the patients. So if we think about what these prex administrators or prex managers did back in COVID, the challenge that they had was unbelievable. You know, if you think about it, their practice operations were humming along, things were working fairly well, and then all of a sudden COVID came and it shut everything down, right? So there was no, the care delivery between the physician and the patient was pretty non-existent for at least a couple of days, if not for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden we were implementing telehealth and we implemented telehealth really quick to provide that connection between the physician and between the patient, between the staff and and the patients and so forth. So the practice administrator's role during all of that was to not just train the physician on how to use telehealth or the staff on how to use telehealth, but we needed to train the patients how to use telehealth. And we needed to design all new practice operations to help support say, checking in of the patients or pharmacy refills or referrals or all of the things that we would take for granted in a normal practice operation. And even today, after COVID has really been moving itself through, the practice administrators are still faced with a lot of challenges as a result of COVID. And some of the things that are impacting their operations are, are clearly the workforce, staff burnout, being able to put in the right level of operations to support the patient's needs as they exist today, balancing both COVID and non-COVID patients. So here to talk with us about that is a very seasoned practice administrator, Philip Haas. Phil is a practice administrator of a large integrated health system, manages a number of physician offices as well as physician practices. Really excited to have him here today. Phil, welcome to the program. Hey, Dan, thank you for having me here today. So, Phil, thinking back as to the beginning of COVID, you know, clearly that was a rough time for all of us. 
but it must have been particularly hard for you, not to mention stressful, right? Because here you are trying to, to manage the concerns that you have with your staff. Everybody's being told to either shut down or to go remote. And you have patients who are, are calling and saying, well, you know, how do, how do I get, you know, my care still treated? How do I get my, my medications refilled? What were some of the things that were going through your mind when you were thinking about basically turning your practice upside down and trying to right size it again? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things as an administrator you try to do, especially when establishing a newer practice or a new physician coming on board is to get patients in the office. One thing I always stress on my staff and my physicians is that healthcare is ever-changing. And I had to remind myself, okay, this is a change that's going on. How are we going to work with this change? And so that being said, again, one of my roles as an administrator is to get patients in the door, help market the physician, new physicians that come aboard and help smaller practices. Never in my uh, 20 plus years of experience in healthcare did I ever think we had to tell patients you can't come in. Isn't that amazing? I could so relate to that. Early on in my career, I started my career in healthcare managing physician practices, and frankly, I loved it, right? But it was all about how you met the needs of the patients. And, and now all of a sudden when COVID was coming, you know, you were told that you, you couldn't see patients, at least not directly in your office. Absolutely. And, you know, and, uh, and that's just it. And you had to come up with a plan on how to deliver to the staff and to the physicians and the, as well as the patients on how we're going to contact these patients and tell them they can't come in. Uh, you know, fortunately, due to social media, due to the news, the patients were all kind of, you know, aware of what was going on out there. It wasn't just an isolated incident at one hospital, but it was, uh, it was, it was a scare for everyone. Every, it was a change for everyone, not just healthcare. And I think, you know, one of the things I also stress is communication. But you know, when COVID hit, there was a lot of communication, a lot of over communication because things changed every hour uh, within those first couple of weeks when COVID came around. What was it like when you started to implement telehealth? I'm assuming if you were like a lot of other organizations, telehealth probably only was a very small part of your practice, right? Probably only maybe three to 5% of all the visits that you did were, were virtual health type visits and probably overnight or within a couple of days, right? You went from doing no telehealth to doing a majority of your visits telehealth. What was that like? You know, the funny thing is I had taken over a large practice uh, maybe three months prior to COVID hitting and talking to the chair physician of that group. One of her goals was to have all 29 physicians onto telehealth by the end of uh, 2020. I was like, all right, we can make that happen. You know, I've worked with, you know, practices in the past that did telehealth. It's not very well known. Well, lo and behold, little did I know it would be a a whole system-wide thing to go on telehealth in one day. Yeah, you probably um, met that goal. <laughs> I met that goal in March 19, 2020. I mean, we didn't miss a stride, you know, and I say yeah. we, I, me, other administrators, the physicians, everyone, we were there as a team. Um, we, we all worked together and thought, okay, what's the best practice? Do we do a Zoom? Do we do uh, a platform through our computer system, which we don't even know if we have? You know, what do we do? Do we FaceTime the patients? And so that being said, as a whole organization, as a whole, we came up with something. And I mean, within two days, it was a well-oiled machine. The patients understood they were patient with the practice and getting a hold, and they understood. They truly understood. Yeah. And I give you a lot of credit for that as well as many other organizations. You sort of have to do what you have to do, right? In order to, to take it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately I hate doing a knee jerk uh, decision making and it worked. It suited itself for uh, the situation we were in. Yeah, absolutely. So let's fast forward a little bit. I'm talking with a lot of the physicians, a lot of the leaders, 
probably the biggest lingering issue we all have, and we're dealing with it today, is managing our workforce. And there's a number of issues that are coming up within workforce management. I think the biggest one is the stressors that are placed on both physicians and staff related to COVID, related to you know, all the work and, and the pressures that are re required, you know, from our staff and, you know, obviously to manage the COVID patients. What are some of the things that you're, that, that you did, I think, initially to kind of manage some of the, the workforce issues, the stressors? And then I'd love to hear what you're doing now about that, because I can't help but think that that's got to be an issue you're dealing with right now. Oh, yeah, it, it was uh, uh, nonstop. Uh, it still is, uh, you know, at the beginning. And again, it was uh, the communication, letting them know, reminding them that healthcare is ever changing, but this time we're changing all the time. And, you know, and then managing staff, you have uh, Lily who has a stuffy nose. Do you send her home or do you keep her in? What do you do? And then you have Dylan who's been vomiting. You're like, what do you do with your staff? Right. right. And so we were having staff out of the office a lot. And we, you know, being a larger healthcare organizations, uh, other offices, fortunately, were able to help pitch into different locations to figure out what we're supposed to do with staffing and how we're supposed to handle staffing. Fast forward 18 months later, we never would have thought how difficult it would be to bring patients back into the office. Are your volumes still down compared to where they were now compared to, let's say, you know, back in 19 or before COVID hit? No, I would say that we're back up, Dan. I would say we're back up, if not higher, especially since this past summer. You know, one of the, our goals at the organization was to slowly introduce well patients back into the office, non-influenza-like illness patients back into the office, such as Medicare physicals, uh, school physicals, uh, back in May of 2020. So we slowly did that. And each week we had a goal of a uh, percentage of how many patients we wanted in person versus a goal of how many patients we wanted a uh, televisit. Now, mind you, come that summer, they had uh, changes in uh, uh, reimbursement with um, televisits. So it, it accelerated a little bit differently. We had uh, some offices opt into seeing ILI patients, being that we'd be able to test for them as well as see them in the office. We had to come up with protocols for our staff and protocols for the patients you know, so they wouldn't wait in the waiting room. And now yeah. we're at that point where all of our offices are going live with ILI patients. It's a great thing. It's a great thing to be back to quote unquote normal, trying to get back. What to is, uh, for clarification, what is LLI? ILI uh, is influenza-like illness. Okay. Got patients. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So Does COVID patient, patients fit into that? Yeah. So our scheduling, we, we have a central scheduling team and they go by a list of patients who have, uh, if they have headaches, new headache, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, runny nose, any fever within the past 24 hours. They're not allowed to come to the office. They're automatically put in as a televisit. Okay. So you um, really had to add a whole new protocol there as correct. to how you would manage this. And on top of what your current processes would be, right, to, to triage patients, to check patients in, to incorporate the patients into your care delivery model. Correct. Yeah. So how have your physicians been with all of this? There's been a lot of stress. Um, I mean, God, there were feelings of, of strong burnout before all of this happened. I can't <laughs> imagine, you know, the, the pressures placed on providers right now, especially those that are front and center in the trenches. How have your physicians been doing? You know, I would say at the beginning, you know, there everyone was a team player. You really saw who were um, afraid of the people that were really, truly afraid of COVID. And then the others that were like, let's do this. Let's bring the patients back in. Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning when there's change like that, Everyone's mind's focus is on one thing. What are we doing next? Where, where are we going next? And mm -hmm. then you start looking at the numbers coming back. And it, it, this is early on in COVID, like, oh, wow, how are we going to fix this? 
that's when the stressors start, I think, falling on a lot of the physicians. And now us coming back to where back to a new normal here, the physician burnout is being more noted, I would say. Definitely. Right. right. Have you seen physicians leave the practice? In one organization I was working with not too long ago, I was talking to the CMO and they've had God, quite a few of their physicians just say, you know what, I'm I'm done. I, you know, I want to either retire or I'm going to do care differently. Uh, I have not seen too many physicians, you know, leave, to be honest with you. You know, I think um, some of them were um, looking into possibly doing their own, like looking like, wow, I can do my own uh, telehealth visit from home, like company business from home. I know a couple of uh, pediatricians talk about that because I feel as though pediatricians were hardest hit in our organization, at least, because we didn't have kids that came in sick (laughs) during the sick season because they weren't a they weren't getting sick and b we weren't bringing them into the office so not so many physicians leaving you know now with uh, mandates of uh, the covid vaccine as well as testing in healthcare that could change yeah i i could see that and you know one of the things that we, we have seen um you know and we're going to certainly be talking about it a lot more on this program is there's been a lot of um let's say disruptors or non-traditional providers entering the market so you've have you know although like Teladoc and ZocDoc, you know, they do a great job with their telehealth activities. They're taking that to the next level where they've actually been hiring physicians and competing against traditional primary care practices and offices like yourself. Have you seen any of that? Has that been a challenge um, at all? Or is it, you know, is it, maybe it just hasn't hit, you know, your area of your practice or your market as of yet? It really hasn't uh, hit yet from what I've seen, at least, or from what I've even heard. Yeah, well, that's good because I'll tell you, it's with all of the um, the latest information that's coming out, and especially the growth of these organizations. A lot of folks are concerned that this could put a lot of pressure on on primary care. So when you when you think about Phil, where we are today on both managing some of the COVID patients, and it certainly seems like things are improving. So knock on wood, that continues. And then you know, incorporating say telehealth for certain services, what are you focused in on your practice as a means of, of obviously maintaining the profitability or improving the profitability, but yet still meeting the needs of patients as well as supporting your providers? Like I said, we're starting to bring back and not in just certain locations, but we're starting to bring in sick patients back into the office, getting it out to the community, uh, making sure that they're aware that we are back in business here trying to get patients back in the door and um, continuing on as though it was pre-COVID with um, operations, I would say, except, you know, with the tweaks with the workflow of bringing patients into the office, but just continuing to move forward like we always do in healthcare. Yeah, I would agree. Are workforce issues, you know, still a predominant focus for you? I mean, in terms of like either recruitment or meeting the needs of your staff or improving the staff satisfaction? No, sure. You know, recruitment's been really, t- really, really tough. Um, yeah. You know, especially very tough, actually, lately, because people are either sticking where they're at or B, they're finding other organizations that have a high on bonus and they, they think the grass is greener on the other side. So they're um, jumping uh, ship to go to another organization for that, uh, you know, that um, sign on bonus is what we're finding. And, you know, as a larger healthcare organization, fortunately, we're able to keep up with that and do the same thing. But it's uh, it, it's definitely a um, demotivator to see people leave, right? Not only to the other staff members, but also the physicians. Yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that it's really tough, the staffing challenges, the workforce challenges. Last week, I had the opportunity to present at a conference. And, you know, after the conference, I was talking to one of the the chief medical officers and 
their vacancy rate with staffing is the highest that I think it's ever been is what he had told me. And I was, you know, sort of diving into it. And he made one interesting comment to me. He said, you know, we would be concerned about losing staff to the healthcare organization down the street or the, you know, physician practice down the street. Now, not only are we concerned with losing staff to our competitors, but we're also competing against these other organizations that are non-healthcare competitors. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, the Amazons of the world, you know, I mean, they're paying $18 an hour to pack boxes, right? So it's hard to compete against that. And a lot of healthcare organizations, good, bad, or indifferent, are slow to change. It adds expenses. Revenue, for the most part, is fairly fixed, right? Because, yeah. you know, we've got our, our contracts and our level of reimbursement. So it's got to place a tremendous amount of pressure on practice administrators such as yourself to kind of keep everything together. It definitely does. And, you know, we talk about physician burnout. I feel as though staff is at that point now, too. Uh, Right. We go for a huge lull to where we have nothing to do, (laughs) you know, and then we pick up getting busier and busier to a level to which they're not necessarily used to. And now they're, you know, it's and and staff are leaving. So it definitely is playing a huge impact on, on the staff as well, not just the physicians. Are you putting any, um, do you have any programs that you're putting together that, you know, is helping you to focus on improving staff satisfaction or just making them, you know, in general, feel good about the work that they're doing? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, you know, it, it, that's like, wh- how do you motivate someone, right? Motivation right. comes from within. And how do you enable someone to make themselves feel motivated? You know, that's always the constant uh, try as a manager, right? And the supervisor. And as an organization, you know, we're looking at market ba- market analysis uh, for pay for a lot of our staff. We try to do, you can only do so much with potlucks, right? You can't, you can't necessarily um, have potlucks or, or bring food in for everyone to share so they can be wiped out with COVID. So it's, uh, it's definitely very tricky right now. And so we, we, we have a, I'm actually part of a, a well-being committee and it's, it's just a small committee that we have at this organization. And we're, we're just tr- coming together with different ideas of how we can have remind staff of how to uh, keep themselves healthy, but also not only physically, but also mentally um, as we go through this, as this journey wow, goes that, on. That sounds great. The well-being committee. So it's yes. really focused on sort of the, you know, just sort of the innate internal issues related to, to your staff, right? How do you make them feel good about the work they're doing? Correct. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Boy, I love that. Let's talk a little bit about your role. Clearly, your your role has evolved. I'm sure a vast majority of the time that you spend in your day is is putting out fires. I can remember when I was a practice administrator, I would always have my agenda and my my task list of what I wanted to accomplish in the day. And sometimes I got to it, and sometimes I had to throw away the list and <laughs> you know, because of the crisis and start from scratch. Yep. Right? How has your role changed as a practice administrator? You know, I I actually enjoy it more. To be honest with you, I yeah, like change. Yeah. I do. I do like change. I like fixing things, Dan. I'm one to put the fire out or prevent the fire. So I, I'm, if I hear any inkling, I like to try to prevent fires from happening, but they always do. And I, I truly like change because again, that's, that's one thing that why I like healthcare is because it is ever changing, but I, I kind of like my role a little bit better. I truly do. Because again, just having that important uh, role of healthcare, not only directly with staff, but indirectly with patients makes me proud. It makes me happy with what I do. Yeah, that's great. And I've I've often said time and time again, and it was probably because I started my career as a practice manager and as a practice administrator, I think it is one of the most unrecognized roles 
in our in a provider organization. Because a, a lot of times, you know, you're there, you're the one that's making things happen, you're putting out all the fires. And when a patient has a, a really good experience, it's usually the credit's given to the physician or the credit's given to the front office staff. And yep. mm-hmm. you know, they're a big part of it, but at the end of the day, you know, you're making it all work, right? I mean, you're the you're the head coach of the organization. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I guess so. I guess, you know, I never really thought about that, I guess, you know, and I just go in there and uh, roll up the sleeves and make things happen, you know, for the staff and the patients. So it is personally for me, a rewarding uh, job for sure. Yeah, well, absolutely. Great job. And you're certainly going, going at it, I think with the, uh, with the right approach and the right attitude. As we kind of wrap up here, any final thoughts or the advice you may give to some of our listeners, um, whether it would be, you know, leaders of healthcare organizations or maybe physicians or maybe some other practice administrators who often listen. Oh man. Yeah. Just, uh, again, what I always tell my staff change is inevitable, whether you're in healthcare or any other type of organization, and you just need to be ahead of that change. Look forward, always look, go forward. Also implementing the current changes that are happening, but also try to plan for what other changes could occur and what the impacts would be. I think always keeping a level head and always staying positive, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, I agree. And change is is something we always have to deal with. And sometimes it's easy for folks. Some people thrive on change. Some people are scared to death of change. And I think, you know, in your role, you know, you're sort of the calming influence, right? You know, you need to make it happen and how you go about doing it really is makes the difference between success or failure or a positive experience or a negative experience. Definitely, for sure. Well, Phil, thanks again for coming on. This was great. And uh, congratulations on on the work that you've done. It's definitely not an easy job, but you certainly have, have done great things. I can see why you've been successful and uh, I wish you a lot of success going forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. It was great to uh, talk about the issues that are going on here, but uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Great. Well, nice job. Wrapping up, I think a couple of key things that Phil brought up, which I really liked, was kind of a learning thing for me, was you know the concept of you know maybe the well-being committee and how he's specifically addressing the needs of the staff. And you know a lot of times that's taken for granted, you know, but the staff are such an integral part of a practice, and especially when we think about how they need to meet the needs of the patients. Oftentimes that front desk person, boy, I mean, you know, they can be the, the eyes, the ears, the, 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 the first person that the patient sees when they're either on the phone or they're coming to the practice. So I think focusing on the staff satisfaction is really key. I think too, is that as a practice administrator, change is inevitable. We see that time and time again. Phil spoke to that. And I think that the difference between the success and a challenging practice is how well you can respond to the changes. And maybe it's not even the change that, that's occurring right now because you know we're, we're figuring that out, but really it's anticipating the, the next level of change. I thought Phil did a great job of bringing that up. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening today. I'm Daniel Marino. Until next time, have a great day. This is Value-Based Care Insights. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights podcast by Lumina Health Partners. 
Lumina is your partner on a journey to value-based care, and all the pivots and challenges our industry faces daily. To learn more about us, visit us on LuminaHP.com. If you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Be sure to check out our show notes at LuminaHP.com insights. Join us again where we continue to take a deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with some of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we continue to navigate and thrive. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.